I prepare for battle on my knees. Our weapons, they're not carnal. We can't fight the battles that we fight with swords and shields or with guns and bullets. We can't fight the battles that we face with our fleshly anger and with all of the things that we would naturally lean toward. No, our battles are spiritual. They're not carnal. And these battles are battles that are fought in our own mind. They're battles that are fought against the principalities and the powers of darkness that rule in the air, things that you can't physically see. And it is a fight, as you've heard me say many times before. Don't nobody sit here and look at you in that pew this morning and tell you that walking the walk of Jesus Christ and being a disciple of His, don't let anybody tell you it's not a fight. It's a fight. It's always going to be a fight. But the Bible says it's a good fight. It's a fight that has reward, as we've heard so many times, that is out of this world. Literally, the reward is what we've sung about all morning this morning. The mansion in heaven, the place that is of eternal bliss, not of temporary things. Surely all of us sitting here this morning can look around at this world. How many of you are as young as you were yesterday? You're a day older, and some might say a day late and a dollar short. You aren't getting any younger day by day. When you look around at this world and you see everything that exists, every day it grows older. Every day it decays a little more. How many of you got the body today at 50 and 60 years old that you had at 20? It ain't happening, is it? When you put your investment in things and all the things, things of this world, you're putting it into things that decay. You look around at everything that your physical eyes can see and all you can see is decay. That's the best hope you have for everything that you work for in this world. That's it. The best hope you have is death. Good luck with that. I don't know about you, but I'm putting my hope and my trust in things eternal and things that I know will not end in death, but in things that I know will conquer even death. This morning, I'm going to start a series on fasting. Now listen, don't everybody get up and run out of here, all right? I know this is a Baptist church. You don't have to tell me that after the service is over. I'm going to try to remember to go to the back this morning where I can shake some hands on the way out. But you don't have to stop and tell me, brother, you do realize this is a Baptist church, don't you? I know, I've been here a little while, I know this is a Baptist church, but listen, the Bible does tell us, Jesus himself told his disciples, when you fast, not if you fast. In other words, Jesus just took it for granted, Jesus just took it that we should already know that fasting is a spiritual discipline and exercise that we should practice in our lives. The Pharisees didn't take it for granted. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why is it that we fast but your disciples are not fasting right now? Jesus said, well, while the bridegroom's with them, they can't fast. But I will soon be taken away from them and then they will fast again. Just like always. They understood that this was something as simple as getting together on Sunday morning and singing a song together. Nobody questions whether we come here this morning or are we going to sing a song in church. It's just a given. We're going to sing a song. Nobody questions are we possibly going to hear a message this morning. No, not only are you going to hear one, it may be an hour and a half long. You know, not only are you going to hear a message, but it's a given that somewhere along the service we're going to stop and we're going to pray for something somewhere. 
We just automatically know it. Well, fasting is no different. But I'm going to start a series this morning on fasting. I'm not going to ask you to start fasting this morning. It's going to be several weeks before I invite you, not force you, before I invite you to enter into a new phase of your spiritual walk of fasting. But before you get there, I want you to understand what it is. Does anybody... Have you ever heard anybody, whenever we say to be baptized, have you ever heard anybody go, oh, wait a minute now, Mm, baptism. I just don't know about baptism. No, people just understand that when I come to follow Christ, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to go under with the old man. I'm going to come up with the new. Well, I want you to be so familiar with fasting that when next time you hear the word somebody say, would you join me in a fast, you don't go, hold on just a minute, brother. You're taking it just a little further than what I'm willing to go. I want you to see the the understanding, the discipline in it, the purpose behind it. But as always, you're going to hear me go back to this many times as you've heard me go back to it many times before. As always, fasting, prayer, praise, putting off old man, putting on new Everything that we do as a Christian goes back to one reason and one reason only. Everything goes back to the purpose that we were created for, but we fell short of it. Everything we do as a Christian is Jesus Christ teaching us how to be restored back to the place of the image of the glory of God. As you've heard me say many times before, the Bible says that man and woman were created in what? His image, in the image of God. In other words, your life was created to be a reflection of everything that God is. It was created to be a reflection of all of His glory and grace. But then in Romans 3.23 we read that all have sinned and fell short of what? In other words, we have fallen away from the purpose that we were created for in God. So now, Jesus Christ has come on the scene. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by him. So today as Christians, we find our way by following Jesus Christ. We find our life and our purpose by following Jesus Christ. And we find the truth of who we are and who we represent by following Jesus Christ. And then we are on a path that leads directly to the Father, back to the purpose that we were created for to begin with. Does that make sense? Prayer is a tool that has been given to us for the purpose of bringing us back to the purpose we were created with. This Bible... This scripture that you read, it is a tool that was written down for the purpose of teaching you and leading you back into the way of Jesus Christ for the purpose that you were created for. This praising that we do, it is going back to the purpose that you were created for. Fasting this morning is no different. It was an ordinance or a discipline that God handed down just like every other thing we do for the purpose of giving you a tool to get back to the place that you were created for. How many of you in your flesh and in the way that you live, you are just tickled pink with who you are? I ain't met very many that is. Most people say, you know, this needs to change about me. This needs to change about me. That needs to change about me. 
Well, it's no different in any single one of our lives. All have sinned and fall short of what we were created to be. Our job is now to use the tools that God has given us to follow Jesus Christ and get back to that purpose. Fasting is a one tool. The very problem that we have in getting back to the ways of Christ is this right here. You know what this is? Self. Flesh. Flesh is very powerful. Flesh has desires inside of it that are almost unable to be overcome. Flesh is from a fallen nature. You know, I've looked at you many times and I look at every single one of you and I say, I know deep down you are evil hearted. Y'all don't like that this morning. You don't like me calling you evil. Well, guess what? The Bible says you are, so that means you are. The Bible says that you were by nature children of wrath. In your heart, in your flesh, by nature, you have desires in you that are things that if half of us knew what was on each other's heart this morning, we'd look at each other and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's in your heart. Nick King, I can't believe you think about stuff like that. I can't believe you let that cross your mind this morning. Well, guess what? Quit being surprised by everything you see. We are by nature children of wrath, and we're trying to overcome this powerful flesh to get back to the purpose we were created. Looking at just a few scriptures this morning, the flesh is from a fallen nature. It has desires that are not of God. They are selfish. Look at the book of James chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. I'm going to go through these kind of quick, so if you, if you don't get there just right away, just listen to what I say. You may beat me to it. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. Thank you for standing for the word. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Comes right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Remember, I said, the flesh has desires that are not of God. They are selfish. They are all about me. They are all about what I want, what I do. He says here in James chapter 1 verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But then look at verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then verse 15. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Be seated this morning. I got several more I'm going to cover. Basically what that verse said is this. Sin comes into this world. Sin comes into you and you fall short of the glory of God when you choose to follow your own desire instead of following the purpose that God created you to be. Think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve got set in the garden and God says, Listen, every bit of this is for you. You can take part of any tree you want, but this tree is mine. You do not eat from this tree 
For in the day that you eat from it, you shall die. But then they come into the garden, and out of all the trees that were there, the one tree that God said not eat, they looked at it and they noticed something about it. That thing looks good. That thing looks very pleasant to the eyes. That thing has a desire that's pulling me to this tree. I got every other tree in the garden, but it's something about that tree. And Eve walked up and she allowed herself to believe what she wanted to believe just so she could take part of that tree. And instead of following God's way and God's rules and being the image of his glory, she chose to follow her desire. And then Adam came right behind and he chose to do the exact same thing. And ever since that day, we have been of a nature that has desires inside of it that do not want to follow God, but want to follow us. I want to look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Again, we're going to go through these kind of quick. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. This is what it reads. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then verse 16 is the key verse right here to listen to. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You remember those desires of this powerful flesh I was talking about? This is it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is all that is in the world. But look what it says at the last part of verse 16. It is not of the Father, but is of the world. We live in a world. Not only do we live in a fleshly body that has desires that are not of God, but we live in the midst of a world. We are surrounded by darkness. Everywhere we look, there is temptation. Everywhere we look, there is things that are drawing for our flesh. This is the reason why here not too long ago the ladies of the church led a modesty class for the women. Women do not realize that we are naturally drawn to look at your features. Can I get a witness, men? Yeah, I didn't ask for that much of a witness, all right? But we are. We are born with a nature that is naturally drawn to the thing that we should Refrain from until God gives us permission to eat from it. You think about in the garden. I don't believe that God meant for Adam and Eve to never eat from that tree. Why else would he have put it in the garden? If he never wanted them to eat from this tree, why didn't he just keep it away from them? I believe that when they had matured and when they had become so consumed with God that they overcome any fleshly desire, then God would have given them the ability to be able to eat. I truly believe that. Now, could I be wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, I can. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Yes, I could be wrong. But I believe that the same way with us. I believe that this world, we are surrounded by darkness. And if we are the light of the world, then we need to present ourselves in a way that we help each other overcome the temptations of the world, not provide opportunity to be tempted. That's the reason why we led those classes that we did, and we're going to continue to do things like that. We're surrounded by it in this world. This flesh is aroused by laws to do wrong. In other words, 
Whenever someone tells you you can't do something, what do you want to do? This right here proves the Bible is true. Look with me at Romans chapter 7 verse 5. Romans chapter 7 verse 5. The Word of God says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Paul said that the sinful pleasures we have were aroused in this flesh because someone said, don't do this. And when someone says to you, don't do this, something inside of you rises up and says, but I want to. Our flesh is powerful, but we are trying to overcome this thing in Jesus Christ. Paul had much to say about the battle we all fight between the spirit and the flesh. Look with me at Romans 7. Chapter, uh, verse 14. 14 and, let's just go with 14 and 15. Romans 7, 14 and 15. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal or flesh, sold under sin. And then verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate, that's what I do. Anybody in here ever been there? Lord, I don't understand it. There's a battle going on inside of me that I can't explain. The only thing I know is that deep down inside of me, I want to do good. But somewhere there is a power that is in me that directs me to do those things which deep down I literally hate, just being honest with you. I don't want to do these things. There is a battle that is going on and this thing is powerful. And Paul tells us that it's only through putting on Christ that we overcome the battle that's going on in the flesh. Look with me, if you would, at Romans 13, verse 14. Listen to what he told the Romans a little later on in this chapter. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Actually, let's start in verse 12 through 14. Romans 13, verses 12 through 14. He said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, right? That fleshly power, those fleshly desires, those things that are not of God and His glory. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Go on with me to verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. He says in verse 13, don't walk in the flesh, but instead here's how you keep from walking in the flesh. He says in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. He said here's what you do. You put off the works of darkness and then you choose to put on Christ Jesus and then you will be walking in the ways of God. You only achieve the power to do this through His Holy Spirit which He freely gives you if you just ask Him. 
Ask Him for the power and He gives you the power to overcome the things that you know you have no business living in. But we have to make a choice. We're going to put off these things and we're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to make no provision for the flesh. We're going to provide no opportunity for the flesh to have its desire. In other words, what he's saying is this. We have to learn to rule over this flesh. We have to learn to tell this flesh you do not get what you want, but instead you will get what I tell you you can have. When you see, anybody ever sit down at the supper table and oh, the best meal you've ever had sitting right in front of you and you pull up to that thing close as you can get, your belly already keeps you from getting all the way up to it. But you pull up to this thing as close as you can get to this table and man, you just start eating and eating and then there comes a point when you say, Lord, I know I ought to quit right here. Oh, but this thing is so good. Oh, this, these mashed taters and gravy, I, I could go for one more helping. This fried chicken is just so crispy and it's, it's, it's just so juicy and it tastes so good. Anybody getting hungry? KFC's open all day. Hang on. It tastes so good and I know I ought to quit right here but this flesh wants just a little more and you keep indulging and you keep feeding this flesh. You know what you're doing? You're training this flesh to learn that whatever you desire, that's what you can have. Now, we're fixing to get into fasting and what fasting does in overcoming this powerful flesh. I think some of you already understand just from that what fasting is. See, fasting, when I say that, people automatically relate. Don't eat. Right? Fasting, okay, don't eat. Fasting is much more than not eating. Now listen, you can go on a diet and not be fasting. You can starve yourself and not be fasting. You can, uh, you can go to the restaurant and only eat a few vegetables and refrain from other things and not necessarily be fasting. Fasting is much more than not eating. But today I'm going to focus on the tool of fasting and what it represents. So I want to look at Matthew chapter, let's do Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. This is where the bulk of our message is coming from here in Deuteronomy chapter, we're going to do Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to do Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, and we're going to compare the two. Those of you that will remember here in Matthew chapter 4, here's what we have. We have the fact that Jesus is fixing to enter into a time of testing. He's going into the wilderness for a period to be tested, to be proven of God, to be manifested that he indeed overcomes the things of the world and chooses to follow God. Here we have Jesus that is fixing to go into the greatest battle that has ever took place in the history of the world. The reason I say that is because if Jesus does not pass this test, there will be no salvation. If Jesus does not pass this test in the wilderness, he cannot go to the cross and be an accepted sacrifice for our sin. If Jesus cannot overcome the flesh and the temptation and choose to follow God, 
He will be fallen in nature and fall short of the glory of God even as we did and He cannot be our sacrifice. The world is forever eternally damned. There is no hope for mankind if Jesus cannot win this battle. So I looked at this thing and I said, Jesus, how did you prepare yourself for this battle? For the battles that we face every day. We face battles every day with this flesh. How do we prepare for it? Do we even prepare for it? Are we even ready for the temptation when it comes? Because believe me, it's coming. Read with me Matthew 4 verse 1 through 4. This is so important. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So what did he do? Fasted. Now, how many of you in here is Jesus? Mm -mm. We're flesh sold under sin. Jesus was God. If Jesus prepared for the greatest battle in the history of the world by fasting, how much more should we prepare to do battle between the spirit and the flesh by fasting because we are not Jesus, not even close. I looked at this thing and I saw that Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for this thing. This is so vitally important. Do you think maybe the reason we keep falling to this old flesh? Do you think maybe the reason why we keep looking at that pornography over and over and over again is because we're missing a tool that helps us overcome this flesh? Do you think possibly the reason why we keep telling those lies over and over and over again instead of learning from it and not overcoming this flesh is because we're missing a tool that God gave us to learn how to do it? Do you think the reason why we keep messing up over and over and over again. Can I get a witness on that? Over and over and over again. Do you think the reason why we keep losing the battle is because we don't even practice one of the most vital tools that God has given us to learn to overcome this flesh? To teach this flesh that I do not surrender to you flesh. You surrender to me. And I surrender to God. We forsake it. I want to look just a little bit further. He said, when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was what? Hungry. Fleshly desire, right? This flesh says, I need food. This flesh says, I need to be fed. And Jesus says, you will get fed what I tell you you're going to get fed. Right now, you're not going to get fed any bread he comes to God and then the, or Satan comes to him and he says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus, knowing that he was fasting for a purpose and a reason, he says to Satan, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, I am learning here I am learning and I am proving that this flesh does not rule me. God rules me. I live for His glory, not my glory, not my purpose. This flesh needs to be hungry so it learns. I do not bow to you. You bow to God. 
I want to look with you, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to compare why Jesus fasted. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. I want to compare the two scriptures of Matthew and Deuteronomy. And I want to look at two reasons why Jesus fasted to give you two reasons of what fasting represents in your life. If you want to learn to overcome this flesh, everybody look at me. Let me wake a few people up. If you want to overcome this flesh, if you want to be like Christ, if you want to become what you were created to be, the image of the glory of God, if you want that in your life, I'm fixing to give you a tool and help, it, help you understand what it's going to do to you that's going to put you on a path to becoming everything that God means for you to be. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. The first comparison. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 said what? The Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness. We have the same scenario taking place here. In Deuteronomy, here's what you have. You have the children of God in slavery in Egypt, right? And then you have God wanting to deliver them from that purpose to live for Him in His purpose. So He sends Moses and He says, Moses... I need you to lead my people out of the wilderness. He says, Moses, I'm going to lead you into the wilderness for this reason, to humble you and to test you. He says there's going to be a test. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, to be tested. Tempted, it is a test to see if our desire is to follow God. So we have Moses. He has to overcome in the wilderness in order to lead the people safely into the promised land, but he fails. He does good till it comes time to get water out of the rock. Y'all remember that story? Popped the rock with the stick instead of doing what God said do. He acted out of his anger, and when he failed, did he get to enter the promised land? He could not lead the people into the promised land, but instead a new leader rose up. His name was Joshua. You know what Joshua is the same word for in the New Testament. Jesus. Joshua and Jesus. Joshua is Jesus in Hebrew. Joshua is Greek for Jesus. That's the reason why you have Jesus being led into the wilderness to be tested the same way that Moses and the Israelites were led. You remember what happened whenever Moses went into the wilderness? He fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. The children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. He says next, to humble you that I led you in the wilderness, to humble you and to test you. And here's why. Here's why Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Here is what fasting is. He says, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. To know, God said, I want you to fast. I want you to hunger. I want you to be tested so that I will know what is in your heart, whether you will keep my commandment or whether you will follow the desire of your flesh. 
That's what I need to know in fasting. So the first thing that fasting is, it is evidence that we are more desirous about following God than the desires of our flesh. To give you a prime example, look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. Y'all know the story? Abraham has just led his son up on the mountain to sacrifice him to the Lord because God said, I want you to give me your son. How many of you children, how many of you parents can do that? God says, I want you children. You're never going to see them again. You're never going to have them again. Will you give them to me? Abraham says, let's go. He's leading them up on the mountain and he gets to the top of the mountain. He's raising his knife and he's coming down to sacrifice and the hand of God comes down and stops him. He says, Abraham, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now what? For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Do you think God did not know before he offered him? But here's the thing you have to understand. God requires the evidence. If he had come to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. And, God said, and Noah says, okay God, I believe you and I trust in you in full faith. But he never built an ark. Was his faith genuine? It is only by the evidence that God knows that, you, that, that in your heart you would rather follow him than the desire of your flesh. Fasting is first a test that produces evidence. Fasting produces evidence that knows. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God, right? We live for his glory to please him. Without faith it's impossible. But the Bible also tells us that faith without works is dead faith. In other words, God requires evidence. He requires you to do something to prove yourself that you indeed love God and you will follow Him before your flesh. Fasting is denying your flesh of any pleasantry. You deny your flesh and it is an evidence to God that God I hunger for you. I don't hunger to follow this flesh. Fasting proves to God that you love Him. When was the last time you proved to God that you desired Him more than you desired this flesh? Fasting is not some doctrine that is just crazy and don't make no sense. It says wholeheartedly, God, I am so hungry for you that I am going to let this flesh suffer because I know that its desires is what pulls me away from you. So I'm going to prove to you by denying my flesh that I want to follow your heart, that it is in my heart that I love you. Does that make sense? Let me give you the second reason. This is my last one I'm going to cover this morning. we got several weeks of this, all right? So, so get used to it. The second reason that we fast comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Fasting is a training exercise. It is a spiritual discipline. Whenever you want to build your muscles up, what do you do? You exercise. You go to the gym and you pump iron. And you start working out to get your muscles built up so that you can look like me. 
Amen? Amen. That's what you do. Well, guess what? Your spiritual man has to have exercise. Our weapons and our exercises are not carnal. You can't see them. Prayer is one of them. Scripture reading is one of them. Fasting is one of them. It is an exercise, and here's what it does. It humbles your flesh, and it brings it under the control of your spirit. It teaches your flesh to submit to God and keeps it from being in control. When your flesh is in control, you cannot please God. You walk in your ways, and let me tell you something. The flesh is powerful. You have to train your spirit to be stronger than your flesh. And you do that by weakening the flesh. You do that by showing the flesh, I do not submit to you. I submit to God. And fasting strengthens that inner man and it exercises your control over this flesh. You remember? Our flesh is what got us in this mess to begin with. Fasting is the reversal of the process. Fasting says, God, I know that my desire for that food that you said don't eat is what got me where I am. So God, I'm going to deny my fleshly desires as a training exercise to overcome the desire of the flesh. I want to give you just a, a couple of scriptures to show you what I'm talking about. Ezra chapter 8, 21. I'm going to read it to you where you don't have to try to find that. If I can find it. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. Listen to what Ezra said about fasting. He says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might, and here's why he proclaimed a fast, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. He says we're fasting to humble our flesh, to humble our desires, that we might seek from Him the right way. In other words, we're saying, flesh, I'm not following your desires. I'm not following your fear. I'm not following your insecurity. I'm not following all the desires that you have. I am seeking God, denying you so that I can know from Him the right way for us, for our little ones, and for all of our possessions. You know, in Sunday school, we're learning how to be devoted to God with all of our possessions. And we're figuring out that's a tough thing. Sunday school class, I'm telling you this morning, fasting is going to be your answer. Fasting is going to train your flesh and humble your flesh to exercise control over its desires and the things that it wants. It will teach you how to let your flesh know you're not justifying this. Many times we'll say, well, I'm going to buy that new Mercedes because I can stop and pick up the elderly and take them to church. God, if you'll just bless me with that thing. We find ways to justify what our flesh wants when we know deep down that God would have us to do differently. The flesh will find a way to have its control. It is only through fasting that you teach that flesh to humble itself and submit to God. We are so prideful people. Oh, if we ain't got the big house and the big car, ain't we prideful? I mean, let's just get real. We are. 
We want what we want. And if we don't get what we want, we're not happy, are we? I'm right there with you. I am. Fasting teaches your flesh to be humble. You humble yourself, flesh. And you remember, I don't submit to you. You submit to God. I want to look at one last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is my last scripture for this morning. Paul, many times in the Word of God, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, he said he was in fastings often. Often. Paul said, I fast often. It's not a thing that I do once a year. It's not a thing that I do on a special occasion. I fast often. And here's why he fasts often. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is what it reads. But I discipline my body. Did you catch that? He said, I discipline my body. Do you think Paul is talking about going to the track and running three miles? Do you think Paul is talking about going to the gym and pumping as much iron as he can pump? Do you think Paul is talking about getting on the treadmill and getting his calves worked up? He says, I discipline my body. What he's talking about is fasting. He said, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. I fast often and I teach my flesh, you subject to me. I teach my flesh that I do not surrender to your desires. When I sit behind the table and it says it's time to quit, you know what, I, you, know what you do, flesh? You quit. Whenever you're going down the road and your eyes turn to something where my spirit knows they don't belong, my flesh does not direct my eyes anymore. My spirit says, flesh, I know you desire it, but you subject to me. And you turn your head. You look the other way. He says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified Paul said, if I don't fast, my flesh will have control. And are we not evidence of that today? If I don't fast, my flesh has control. It has control, but he says, I fast, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified he said, if my flesh always wins, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. If he sows to the flesh, he of the flesh reaps corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, he is approved of God and he reaps everlasting life. Don't be deceived, though. You have to learn to live for God. You have to learn to follow Christ. You must learn to overcome this flesh. The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 3, I believe it is, that we must overcome this world. We cannot keep being defeated. We cannot keep living in sin. We must learn to overcome the power of this flesh. And the first tool that God gives us in this is fasting. Humble your flesh. You tell it who has control. This week I just covered what is fasting. First, foremost, it is evidence. It is proof. It is for God to know what is in our hearts that we desire Him more than we desire the flesh, right? And the second thing is it is a training. It is exercise of humbling your flesh 
to bring it into subjection or to bring it under the control of your spirit. It's teaching your flesh to submit to God and keeping it from being in control. It exercises and makes your spirit man strong. And then you no longer do what you hate, but you control the things that you hate. Our flesh is so selfish, it demands to have what it wants. And if we are going to put off the flesh and put on Christ, the flesh must be humbled. It must be taught to submit. We need to learn that we don't live by bread alone or the fleshly desires. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, I, man don't live by bread alone. He was saying, man don't live by the desires of his flesh. He lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's where life comes from. I'm going to close with this. Next week I'm going to cover what to fast. Or not next week, I'm actually going to be out next week. The next week I'm going to cover what to fast. Is it just by not eating? Or is there other things that we can fast? And I'm going to scripturally prove it. I'm not going to be one of these preachers that's going to stand up here and tell you what I think. I'm going to show you from the word of God how to fast. I'm going to show you what to fast. And I'm going to show you the mindset to be in when you fast, not if you fast. In closing, I ask you this this morning. Could the reason we're not growing more like Christ every day, every day be because we're not fasting? Could it? Could the reason our flesh always gets what it wants, could the reason why we fall so many times and fail the battle, could it be because we are not fasting? Could this be the way that God wants to work mightily in us? Is this a doctrine that we must learn about, that we must practice? Is this a tool that we must possess in our life, not on an occasional basis, but on a regular basis? Is this something that from what you've learned this morning, you believe as a Christian, God, I need you to teach me this so that I can learn to submit wholly to you? Then I say to you this morning, humble yourself in obedience to God. I want you to bow yourself like little children. The Bible says if we want to be in faith with God, we've got to become like little children. I want you to bow yourself like little children. And I want you to cry out to God for spiritual power to overcome the world and walk in the ways of Jesus Christ. Is that you this morning? I invite you to come.